chapter 1. You know, again, it's just, when I think about God's timing, I think of his providence, I think of his sovereign hand and his grace involved in our lives. Now I realize he has us in this book of Philippians at this time in the life of our church. And I don't know about you, but these are the things that flood my thoughts, my heart, my mind, my soul, my spirit. And specifically yesterday, um, as, you know, we don't know what a day will bring forth, right? So yesterday was Pastor's 49th birthday. Yes, 49. Hey, praise God. <laughs> so, of course, when we wake, we get the call and, and the day went in a totally differing direction. And that's okay. The greatest birthday gift yesterday was those postponed days. And we watched the swing of emotions because the morning was touch and go and you just don't know and you're getting information and the scariest part is not getting any information. Um, and, and that's the toughest part. You know, we heard from Brittany. That was great. And so she was the first one to reach out. And, and, and so she was trying to give us information, but she didn't know any information. She didn't know where Randy was. She had not heard from Randy. She had not heard all. They wouldn't tell her anything. And, of course, I, at this point, assume that Randall knows. Uh, Zach, I'm not going to bother him because I assume he's in route. And so I'm calling Randall to get an update. What update? Miss Holly Gentry calls me uh, right after I got off the phone with Randall, and she experienced the same thing. She was calling Zach, assuming Zach had more information. Zach didn't know anything. And in this moment, our hearts begin to cry out to the Lord because then it becomes real serious. The family hasn't heard, the spouse hasn't heard. You know, our thoughts tend to go in, in a bad place, right? So our hearts join and we begin to cry out in prayer. We know that this is what we must do. We must cry out for prayer. We must get the word. People need to be praying. People need to be praying. And we deal with that emotion early on. And, and again, it's the ups and downs to the full swing to, to last night. Celebrating at an amazing and beautiful wedding. Kelsey and Alex joined together in holy matrimony. And it was just wonderful. Closing out the night in celebration. And and, and again, just the, the, as I got home and I, and I processed and I just thought about everything and my wife and I were discussing throughout the day, every minute's a precious gift. And I thank the Lord for the 49 he's given me and many of you have many more and some of you Think 49 is like, wow, he's halfway in the grave. Um, not so much, kids. My kids asked the other day, why do y'all call 20 somethings kids? They're old. <laughs> Sorry, 20 somethings. You see? It's a perspective, all right? And then I'm brought back to the book of Philippians. This is where God has us. Paul's looks like he's going to die. And he's starting to deal with those terms. And we're going to find out later as we continue to go through the book, he's okay. He's okay with that. He says, look, to die, I go to be with the Lord. That's great. But he also recognizes that there's work to be done. And if that's God's plan for his life, Praise be to God. To live is Christ. To die is gain. Guys, this is our worldview. This is the truth. When we understand the gospel of Jesus Christ, our life is not our own. We've been bought with a price, and we live for Christ. 
And we got to find something. Whatever we do in this life, we should do with that in mind. Notice if you would in today's text, and we'll begin our reading in verse 12 of chapter 1. Paul writing, he says, But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. So that it's become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, as much more bold to speak the word without fear, some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preached Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains. But the latter, I love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? What? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this, I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. God has us in Philippians, regardless of our circumstances, to rejoice. And we can only rejoice if we know Christ as our Lord and Savior. And so I want to come right out of the gate this morning and say it loud and clear. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, cannot know joy. But if you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can know joy and you can have peace that passes all understanding so that regardless of what's happening in your life, you can be at rest in knowing the truth that Paul knew. To die is gain. To live is Christ, but to die is gain. And so, Understanding this perspective, understanding these things, uh, we come back to this book of Philippians, realizing that Paul was in prison. Last time we focused on prayer, and, and again, I think about, wow, man, how timely that is. We left you with this instruction last Sunday. Pray for one another. Pray for one another. And, and if you look back in the text, you'll see, and I'm just going to do a quick recap. Uh, I left you with seven things last week. We, we finished out section 1, verses 1 through 11. I left you with seven things, and, and I want to remind you of what those seven things were. Paul said, pray, because remember, it's on prayer. And what was he praying for the Philippians about? What was the things that he said in this letter? Hey, I'm praying for you about these things. I'm praying for you. And I said, church, I'm praying for you. And I challenged the pastors and the deacons, we're going to pray for you on these things. I challenge you and encourage you to pray for one another in these areas. That your love will abound. There's something about tragedy, there's something about circumstances that unites families, friends, churches with a love. Look, their love was obvious. The Philippians were generous. This is, remember, they sent Epaphroditus to minister to Paul. They're concerned. They know he's in jail. They know he's probably going to die. And they, they, they want to show their support. They want to show their care. And so they take the love offering. Again, they've already given him generously. These were poor people, but they, they were giving continually to support Paul in that ministry. And so he sees this love in action. He says, you know what? I, I know you're doing this, but I'm going to pray that that love will just continue to abound. Community Baptist Church, you're a church that's loving and you're a generous church. And I pray that that love continues in a balance. He says also that your knowledge would grow. Because we can only love properly if we understand the mind of Christ. The world says love is defined in one way. 
necessarily the way the Bible defines it. That word love is thrown around a lot in the world today, and there is a shortness in the definition. It falls short of what genuine biblical love is. Don't be informed by the wisdom of the world. Allow that wisdom which comes from above. And the only place you're going to find that is here, central in the Word of God. We can love one another, and we can love one another in spirit and in truth. We can love, we must love, and we must speak to one another in truth. So he prays that their knowledge would grow. He also prayed that their discernment would increase. How important discernment is. If there's one thing lacking in 2020 in the church, and it's been lacking for some 30, 40 plus years, I believe, in the church, is our discernment. And yet scripture says in 1 John that we're able to discern truth and error, again, by the word of God. And so if we don't understand the word of God, if we're going based upon the philosophy of man, or we're based upon the wisdom of the world, if we're going based upon the latest fad, fashion, whatever the influence is of the world, then we're going to miss discernment. We're not going to be able to discern rightly. So Paul says, I'm praying that your discernment would increase. He's also praying that they would choose the excellent. Because again, just because we discern the right thing doesn't always mean we choose it. And sometimes it's not about choosing right or wrong. Again, maturing Christians choose what's best. And we talked about that. And he says, I want to pray also not only that you would choose that which is best, that which is excellent in this life, but that you would also continue in sincerity and integrity. In other words, Christian, that you will be the same person on the outside as you are on the inside. That you're the same person at home in closed doors as you are out in public. Sincerity and truth. And that's a prayer. Paul says, Philippian Christian, I want you to be this. Community Baptist Church, I want you to be this. This is struggle, then take it to the cross. Lay down the phone and so take the mask off. God knows you better than you know yourself. He knows you. Surrender your life to Christ. Don't take the life he knows you have. He's not asking you for perfection. He is perfection. Prays that they would continue in sincerity and in integrity. And he also prays that they would live in fruitful righteousness. Again, fruitful righteousness comes as we obey, as we read the Word of God, as we understand that and we put it into practice. Love, joy, peace, kindness, long suffering. We go through those. Those things. Anything that's praiseworthy, right? Think on these. I mean, we, we've got scripture references that teach us and tell us and instruct us in how we're to live out that end of faith. And so we need to live in fruitful righteousness. So we pray that. And then he also prays the last thing he in that in that list of seven that he gave us was that they would deliberately live, deliberately live for the glory of God. Let me ask you this morning, church. Are you living deliberately for the glory of God? Is your purpose in life, when you wake up in the morning, is your motivation to live this day for the glory of God? That's Paul's prayer. That should be our prayer for one another. Why do you think God put that co-worker next to you? Why do you think that God puts you in the neighborhood you're in? Why do you think God has you in the classroom, at the school? Wherever you're at, that's intentional. That's part of God's plan. And his desire is that you use your circle of influence for his glory. We need to. 
first and finish last. Deliberate and living for the glory of God. And again, that's all there in those, those previous verses, 1 through 11, that we talked about last week. So don't take my word for it. Go back, read it, number those, and then prayerfully meditate on those things by the So that's where we left off. And again, today we come back to uh, this section we're picking up in verses 12 and following. So that's sort of the pretext. And again, you've got to understand that to know where we're at today. And so Paul has been praying for them. And, and, and because, uh, uh, again, his purpose, his point was, and you see this in the end of uh, the book of Acts, that he desired to take the gospel to Rome. That was part of his, his uh, prayer, that the gospel would reach Rome. Uh, if you would, you can turn there if you would like. And I just want to highlight uh, a verse uh, or two from Acts, the book of Acts, and you'll find this uh, specifically in uh, Acts 19. Listen to what it, it says here. Again, we knew Paul wanted to travel to, to Rome because he wanted to preach the gospel. His intention was to go as a preacher. Instead, he goes as a prisoner. Isn't that like, I mean, again, you know, we, we may have our plans, but God may have other plans, right? And we have to be okay with that. Paul's going to tell us later in this book, hey, whether I'm exalted or I'm a base, I learn to be content. Whether I'm rich, whether I'm poor, whether I'm clothed, whether I'm naked, whether I'm warfare, whatever the case, man, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's not a home run verse, though I hope the Braves use it tomorrow. Acts 19.21 says this, When these things were accomplished, Paul purposed in the Spirit, when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia, to go to Jerusalem, saying, After I've been there, I must also see Paul. See, Paul was planning on preaching. And we know how he brought the gospel 10 years earlier when, you know, from when Philippians was written to, to when the church of Philippi started. He had every intent of going to Rome. It's not like this in handcuffs, <laughs> right? But regardless of the circumstance, Paul understands his mission. In fact, Romans 1.15, he says, So as much as in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome. So, these people at Philippi, they knew Paul had been in prison. They were concerned about his well-being. They feared that perhaps this uh, incarceration um, was going to prevent him from doing what he wanted to do. This is going to prevent the gospel. His whole point of going, and now it's not going to happen. Oh, no, the sky's falling. This is... This is no doubt what was in the mind of the Philippian believer. Paul desired to go and witness to Rome, and now he's in prison. But what did Paul say in verse 13 of Philippians 1? Look at it with me. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Isn't that cool? And that's our first point today, church. You're taking notes. The furtherance of the gospel. I don't know how. I don't pretend to know how. How is what just happened yesterday going to further the gospel? I don't know. I know what's happening right now, though. I, I see many people praying. I've had contact after contact of uh, people from outside of this church family testifying to the Christ in these young ladies. The gospel is going to be furthered. Paul wants them to know this in Philippi. I want us to know this today. That again, regardless of our circumstances, guys, the gospel is what matters. Don't lose sight of that. 
Paul understood this. He understood his reason for going to Rome. And he wants these people to know that are concerned about, oh no, oh no, now this is not going to, yes it is. But you know what? It has a funny way of stirring and sparking within others motivation. Right? Isn't that how oftentimes these things work? And God knows what he's doing. And so, um, here again, the Philippian believers, as Paul writes to them, and he's urging them, he says, look, this has worked out for the furtherance of the gospel. So that it has become evident to the whole palace guard. <laughs> you might want to circle that word palace guard. Right? The praetorian. The, the, these were the guards. And there's different uses of this word in the New Testament. But I think the best argument in this case is that uh, again, Paul's chain to this group of, of soldiers, all right? He's at a, a place being held, uh, a palace, if you will, that, that of these guards. This is one of the hubs where they were maybe 10,000 in that regiment, right? And so no doubt there's these, this facility, this place, uh, this barrack, if you will. And yet these guys would come in and they'd be chained to Paul, literally chained. So we can't get away, can't go anywhere. And it may have been, you know, a while, years, a couple of years maybe, that he's here. Can we say captive audience? I mean, can you imagine? This guy's chained to the Apostle Paul. He's in the room when Paul's writing letters. He's in the room when Paul's praying. I imagine he prayed out loud quite a bit. Just saying, I've got the Philippian jailer as proof in some of that. He's there when he's worshiping. You know, these guys on their rotation are coming in and hearing the gospel. That can't go wrong. Now, you guys know me. I've shared this many times before. One of my favorite places to witness is at the hair salon. Right? I, go, I go get my, I go to the hair salon. <laughs> I go to the barber shop too, man. All right? Unless you're worried. <laughs> but my whole purpose in going is to witness. Now, I get some bad haircuts sometimes, because some of them just don't want to hear the gospel. I've learned to kind of wait till a little later in the haircut, all right? I used to come right in from the start, but after a few bad trends, I said, I better hold off a little bit. Thank you, Lord, for the sermon, right? <laughs> Here's a captive audience. See, I know i got a captive audience. They can't just leave me when they've cut my hair, right? they got to finish the job. So I know I got a captive audience. It's amazing though how quick some of them finish. <laughs> of course, you know, before that, you know, I'd just be falling asleep. You know? But anyway, um, Paul's got these guys chained. They're here, and I just think, hey, that's awesome, man. And so he's trying to encourage these Philippians. Look, guys, don't 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 worry. I know you're concerned. I know you're concerned. But let me just tell you, God. In his sovereignty, and see, that's what's being taught in this letter. Through the writing and through the experience, God is in control. And this is part of his plan. And if it's part of his plan, then it's for our good and it's for his glory. And that's what he's trying to encourage the listener. And so he says, Look, I, I want you to know, brethren, these things. I'm trying to take my jacket off my, my uh, microphone. I want you to know, brethren, that these things which happened to me actually turned out for the presence of the gospel, that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. Amen? You know what he's saying there, guys? The gospel of Jesus Christ cannot be chained. Oh, he might be in chains. But the gospel is flowing as freely as it ever has. In fact, now it's permeating Rome. I just imagine some of those soldiers, you know, going back into the barracks. Man, that one guy, you got any guards with him? He's an interesting character. You know, we were saying something the other day. It just made a lot of sense. I imagine these guys are on it at night in their sleep. Some of them. The Holy Spirit just running it through their head and their heart again. The truth what they're hearing. They can't escape it. 
that the grace of God is just drawing them in. I imagine many of them looked forward to being back on that ship. In fact, I, I would even go so far as to speculate, maybe some of them might have, hey, you know what, I, I, I don't mind doing a little extra duty if uh, you want me to cover your ship. Paul wanted to encourage the reader that the gospel was not in chains. No, it was, it was being furthered. He says, to all the rest of my chains are in Christ, and most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, as much more bold to speak the word without fear. What's Paul saying? We say this. When you realize that God's in full control, and you're not, you can rest. You can simply rest. You can trust in Him. And in this case, He's wanting them to know the gospel's not hindered. It's going out. And that result was a spark in them within the believer. That you know what? What am I? Why am I afraid of man? Why am I afraid of what they can do to me? Man can't do anything to me apart from God knowing. And besides, God says in his word that don't fear man who can destroy the body, but he who can destroy the soul in hell. We, in other words, summarize, God's the only one that we need to be concerned about. What does he think? Because I promise you people have opinions. I promise you people think uh, that things can be done better. Right? You'll get that. Right? You know the old saying, I won't quote it here. But everybody's got opinions, right? I mean, at the end of the day, guys, we've got to trust God in his sovereign plan. And look, sometimes Paul, desiring to do the plan God set out before him, and he starts to walk that path, only to have it stop and reroute it. That's okay. Flexibility in Christ is not a bad thing, guys. That's a godly thing. And we see the example here. Church of Philippi is a result of that very thing. And so, again, I encourage you as a listener, I encourage you, just as Paul's encouraging those he's writing to, allow, all right, allow God to interrupt your plans. Because he has a plan. And that's okay. In fact, that's what we should desire, right? That's exactly what we should desire. God's will be done. Not my will be done, God's will be done. And so Paul knows that, and he's saying this to these guys, and he wants them to know. And, and so that is, in, in, as a result, has sparked within them a motivation to also share the gospel. Hey, Paul's in chains, man. He's in wrong. I think we need to get out because who's going to do it? If, if, if he's not able to do it, then we need to step up, guys. We need to step up. Come on, let's all go out and let's, let's share the gospel. And that's what began to happen. You know, many of you, uh, when, whenever Nate took the position out of the Wayne Christian School, and we've been in a season of some areas that need to be filled, many of you have stepped forward. Praise God. We needed that. Right? You know, again, don't know God's plan in this situation. Uh, you know, Randy, very active in the kingdom. Very active. Again, my heart's solidified even more now, our need for help in this area. And if you're going to have to step forward in various ways, right? God, again, orchestrates these things. He, even in the midst of bad happenings, even in the midst of plans that maybe aren't our plans, God has a plan. And a lot of times that motivation we see here is to stir the hearts of the believers so that they actually begin to do what God called them to do. And so, Paul's letting them know that. And he goes on, he says, Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from good will. The former preached Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. So yes, yeah, so a lot of people now all of a sudden 
you know, Paul said, look, I want you to know the gospel's being furthered. In fact, I, I know you're also concerned. There's a lot of people out there now taking the gospel, and uh, some for not the best reasons. But Paul says, look, I've been given to the defense of the gospel. And so let me, let me say this. Yeah, I realize some people's motive isn't the best. But at least the gospel is being proclaimed. Now look, don't, don't apply here what Paul's not saying. Paul has plenty of other writings where he says, if anyone preaches another gospel, let them be cursed. Okay? He's not lacking, he's not backing off of false teachers. He's not saying doctrine doesn't matter. Okay, he's not saying that here. But he is acknowledging that sometimes, and look, you, you see it. Um, on internal, any religious television, sometimes you might see people actually sharing the truth of the gospel, maybe for selfish reasons, you know, for various other ambitious reasons to grow their kingdom. Those things sometimes are in play. But in that case, Paul says, you know what, though? Gospel's being unleashed. God will deal with those things. Let God work through those things. Right? And, and, and look, I have to begin as, as, a, as a pastor. Uh, the, whew, that's hard sometimes, right? I mean, I'm just being real with you. Um, you know, yeah, secondary issues, the man in the plane, we can vigorously debate, not divide. Um, there, there's the final line. Now, look, we, we're going we're gonna to shine the light on, again, those false teachers. We've got to make that loud and clear, okay? Because they're, they're destroying sheep. And, again, Paul's not saying that in this context. But what a perspective, what a mindset, the mind of Christ, to, to, for us to, to remember this truth. The gospel is what we have. I need to be thankful. I need to rejoice that the word of Christ is being shared, that souls are being saved, that lives are being changed. And so, have some confidence. Even though I'm in chains, Paul's saying, I know you're concerned in light of the circumstances, but it's causing you to be emboldened in your faith, and it's causing some of you to preach the gospel, some of them are doing it, again, from selfish reasons, strife, envy. Uh, others are doing it out of goodwill. Again, some of them, it, it appears Paul is saying that maybe they're even doing it to, to add to his persecution. No, notice the text when it says, The former preached Christ from selfish ambitions, verse 16, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my chains. Again, uh, many people uh, were trying to take advantage of this opportunity to inflict more harm upon them. But Paul, highlighting again, verse 17, the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. And Paul said in Romans 1, 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God and the salvation to whoever believes. To the Jew, to the Gentile, to the Greek, right? To the barbarian, to the, to the slave, to the free. I mean, the gospel is for everyone. And he's not ashamed of it. And Paul highlights here again the importance, and I don't want to negate that, that though he's happy that the gospel is going out, he has been given the responsibility to defend them. One of the things, obviously, you know, that we've done over the years here uh, is offer apologetics in 1 Peter 3.15, always being ready to give a defense, give a reason for the hope that's within you. And, and guys, we're, we're thankful and fortunate uh, to have Tyson, who's able to bring a whole new level Discipleship in the area of apologetics, and I appreciate that desire and that heart for the Lord in defending the gospel. Guys, we've, we've been given the responsibility 
and especially out in the world amongst the unbeliever who, who has questions. And trust me, there are a lot of people out in the world who have questions as to why you believe what you believe. And so we must go armed with the gospel, understanding the good news of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And what that means to us, what that means to our life, how that should change our life, our purpose. And so we do so with gentleness, with meekness. We've been given that responsibility as believers as well. And so we also see the third point that Paul brings to our attention here in Philippians 1, 12 through 18. Notice if you would, uh, he continues uh, in verse 18. What then? All right, so so again, people of Philippi, they've heard back, they're, they're getting this letter. Epaphroditus has come home too. He was sick. I know you're concerned about the gospel. Hey man, it's multiplying. It's, it's, not, it's not growing weak. It's multiplying. And he asks this question, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this, I rejoice. Yes, and will rejoice. Notice what Paul says. He says, in this, in what? And what is he thankful for? And what is he rejoicing? He's rejoicing in this, that Christ is being preached. So again, if our life is purposeful, if what we're doing is not about self, but it's about the furtherance of the gospel, it's about the furtherance of the kingdom of Christ, if my interest, your interest as the body of Christ is sharing the good news with the world that's on its way to hell apart from Christ, if that is our purpose, church, then we can rejoice in this, that the gospel's going out. This is one of the reasons why our heart is, is dedicated to local missions and foreign missions. We need to support the missionary efforts. And again, I, I challenged you last week, and I'll challenge you again this week. Between now and the end of the year, guys, pray before the Lord, and let's give a special gift, as the Philippians desire to do with Paul in showing generosity, support the mission. Our missions need work. I'm simply making that known. Do what God has you to do. So why do we do it? It's for the furtherance of the gospel. It's for the defense of the gospel. And the result within us should be the joy of the gospel. Lives are changed. People are reached. We had two people make a profession of faith in Christ Wednesday night. That's four this year since the year started in our teens club. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, praise God. That's, that's crazy. That's good. You lose sight of why we do this? Do we just come here for this? That's not what we... The, the church doesn't do church. We are the church. We need to be reaching lives. We need to be impacting people for the cause of Christ. So that their lives are radically changed. And, and I shared this with the young people the other week. Uh, and specifically those who, who, who made that profession. That... Guys, you step, you realize we just had two people step from darkness into light. That they went from death, spiritual death, and eternal separation from God, literally to being God breathed, made alive in the Spirit of God, sealed into the day of redemption. If someone is born again, and only God knows that, by the way, pray for these two. Okay, I don't see their heart. I don't publicly declare them saved. Okay, that's not my place. Too many churches are. Having you pray a prayer, repeat a prayer, did you pray the prayer, did you mean it? Okay, good, you're saved, Lord, heaven, amen. How about now? That's not what we're supposed to be doing. Now, if you got saved through a prayer, great, good for you. You got saved. That's the main thing. We rejoice. And sometimes people are led that way. But what I'm saying is salvation belongs to the Lord. Only God knows that. So pray for these young people that they will make this certain in their heart. This is why we do what we do, guys. We're sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. This is why we exist as a church, is to continue to reach the unsaved world. The evangelists, the edifies, build each other up, right? And the purpose of this is to equip you to go and do that. 
And so the joy of the gospel, Paul says, look, again, don't fret. I know the circumstances seem bad. Again, I don't know what your circumstances are. We, we know right now we've got an element of our church family that's facing some pretty bleak circumstances. And if we stay focused on just those circumstances, we can lose sight of what God's doing. I promise you, I know what God's doing. I can see it here in the scriptures. God is desiring to advance his kingdom. Now, I don't pretend to know the details of how this one works. But I know it does. And I'll tell you how I know that. Because of the scriptures. Guys, I want to conclude with that thought. I want us to think this through in our hearts and minds. The gospel matters. The gospel matters. Jesus gave his life. Now you go give yours. Paul said in Romans 12, 1 and 2, I'm begging. I'm begging you. Paul, Paul wasn't, you know, he, he's pleading with them. I'm begging you by the mercies of God. What kind of mercies is he talking about? How about the cross? That's the grace and mercy of God on full display. While we're still sinners, Christ loved us and gave his life for us. By the mercies of God, present yourselves a living sacrifice. That's a dying to self. That's a dying to what Jeremy wants or what, you know, maybe I think my day should be. That, that, those are, that, look, man, we got to die in order to live. One of the young men that made the profession of faith uh, Wednesday night, and again, I, I again, I don't, I don't go based on just. I, I, I want to talk. I want to find out what's really going on in here. And one of the young men made the comment. He said, "I said, what, what, what? Why did you feel compelled to respond? What, what was going on? Give me, kind of give me what's going on in your head, your heart." And I appreciated the honest, honest answer. That's one thing I love working with teenagers again. My, my wife and I have been talking about this. It's been refreshing. No offense, older people, adults. But we tend to get a little harder in our ways. You know, we're, we're kind of, you know, it's like clay. You know, soft clay is easy to kind of shape and mold and see, ooh, this kind of squishy and handy. Anyway, that's not for me. Um, but, you know, you get some other clay that's hard and dry and brittle, and it's like, man, you can't do much with it. And again, no offense, but that's just reality for most of us, right? We kind of get set, and we kind of don't want to change. Huh? Guilty, guilty. I mean, we're all at bronze, right? Men, even more so. Ladies and gentlemen. But, this young man was very honest in his answer. I said, what, what prompted you to respond? He said, I want, a, I want a better life. Now, again, not the answer I necessarily spiritually wanted to hear, but hear what the young man's saying. He knows something's wrong in his life. And I imagine knowing the young man, his circumstances probably aren't as good as those of you sitting here. to entertain the thoughts of what this young man probably deals with on a daily basis. Again, another reason and purpose on why we do what we do. And so, in that moment, trying to relate to the young man to help him think a little bit deeper on the subject, I challenged him. I knew he loved basketball, and, and I know, uh, uh, you know, if you can say the guy's name, LeBron James. But anyway, uh, sorry, I'm still in the game now. Just ain't gonna, just ain't gonna do it. But anyway, um, I, you know, I took the opportunity and I said, hey, so let me ask you a question, man. What if you met LeBron's wife? You know, everything LeBron's done, everything. The titles, the, 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 you know, just being the celebrity, the fame, the power, the money. I mean, this guy's got everything. That'd be kind of cool, huh? Well, let's, let's put a caveat on that. Let's say you had LeBron's life, but you could only have it for a hundred years. LeBron ain't gonna have it for a hundred years, but let's just say a hundred years. All of it, everything you wanted for a hundred years, but in exchange, you die and you spend eternity in hell. Would you rather 
instead have the life that Christ wants you to have, which may be a better life, but it actually may be a life of suffering. It could be a life of persecution. It could be a life of problems. Paul's in prison, guys. Randy's out in the hospital right now. Many of you are facing illnesses that very well will take your life. Tragedies and problems. You're not promised a better life when you come to Christ. Now, this young man was smart enough to discern that little illustration that all of a sudden, maybe the truth of the scripture, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet lose his own soul? Pray for that young man. Pray that the light of the gospel will be understood. Respond in genuine saving faith. And I pray that that's what's happened or is happening. Again, I will leave that ball in God's court hands. But we can pray for that seed and we can water that seed. And that's what we intend to do. The gospel matters. So, Paul, in writing in this section, Conveys that point. How do I know again about these things the scriptures teach us? And, and I want to I want to give you this thought from John Walbert on this section of scripture as we close. Listen to this passage, this excerpt from um, Triumph in Christ. The greatest problem of the world then and now is not that the gospel is imperfectly preached, but that it's not preached at all. Instead of adding affliction to his chains, it brought joy to Paul that his presence in Rome had served to extend the preaching of the gospel. Paul's entire experience recognized the wisdom of God in permitting Paul the divine revelation offers the only satisfactory explanation as to why there is suffering in the world as a whole and why even the godly suffer. Paul was in prison as a means of increasing his testimony as an effective way to evangelize Rome and to prepare him spiritually to write the prison epistles. Think about, guys, what you're enjoying today when you read the prison epistles. You're not getting that life-giving sustenance if Paul doesn't go to prison. Although the reasons for suffering may not always be immediately apparent, faith, a Christian can assume that all things work together to those who love God and call according to His purpose. Many a Christian was molded in character and in the crucible of suffering, matured in loneliness and prepared for greater usefulness in God's hands than untouched by the storms of life. As we don't like it when the storms of life come, and I don't understand that, I don't either. We must recognize our purpose and that our lives are not our own. But we can safely trust in the hands of an almighty sovereign God who knows what's best, who even in circumstances that are bleak, trying, difficult, he has a plan. And it will work together for good. And so I close with the thought of Paul's reminding us in this letter is for the furtherance of the gospel. Right? 
is for the defense of the gospel, right? And let it also be for the redemption of the gospel. Christ endured the suffering and shame set before him on the cross because of the joy of the other side. This is not our home, Christian. This is not our home. And so endure the suffering, endure the trials, endure the shame knowing that the gospel of Jesus Christ does not change. It's our responsibility to take the loss of dying for the Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the example of Paul, who was no doubt uh, suffering um, in one sense. Not his plan, definitely not what he intended when he desired to take the gospel. Rome, but Lord, you had a better one, and uh, oftentimes in hindsight, we can reflect and look back on circumstances and, and see uh, that hand of grace and how had that not happened, uh, we would not be where we are today. And Lord, there's living proof of that even here in our midst, and when I reflect on uh, the life of this church. Various circumstances, trials, trying situations, things that may have happened, but brought about good in the end. And so, Lord, we know you're still working these things together for good. We recognize that you're still uh, sowing in the threads, uh, some that are seemingly dark, yet in the tapestry of your work, working in our lives. And so, Lord, we trust you. In this closing moment, we again turn our hearts to you in prayer, praying for our own, thinking of Randy, praying for Sergio, and also, Lord, rejoicing in the news of Alex and Kelsey. And Lord, as we also look with anticipation for those in our midst who are with child, the joy of life beginning. And Lord, whether it's from the womb to the tomb, we've got many who walk by faith. Lord, that you'll continue to use this church for your glory and for that which is for our good. And we give you the praise this day, thanking you in the name of